Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be tough to get all of the nutrients you need for long-term health. Care of makes it super easy and even fun to figure out what vitamins and supplements are best for your diet and lifestyle. Go to takecareof.com and take a short quiz to get your personalized vitamin recommendation. Use offer code AMR at checkout for 50% off your first month of vitamins. Hey there, it's Sarah. Just wanted to give you a quick heads up that this podcast is different than our usual ones. It's a recording of me reading my essay from our new book, Tales from Another Mother Runner. It's recorded at Powell's, and it's followed up by some question and answers from women in the audience. And intermingled, you'll hear some comments from my kids who are sitting in the front row. Hope you enjoy it. So now, uh, give a very warm welcome to Sarah Bone Shea. Hey everybody, thank you for being here. Um, uh, as the gentleman mentioned, uh, this is my third time being here, so I thought I would um, start off, it's another Mother Runner tradition, to have some giveaways. So um, who here has been to all three readings that I've... Okay, well, but, no, Daphne's lying, my daughter's lying. Phoebe has been here. Um, all right, all right, yes, you can hand them out, John. So uh, there's... And this is Joanne Godfrey, the kid's uh, kindergarten teacher. And that's Linda Williams, who is a photographer and, um, and works for the city there. Give it to Linda. She's right there at the end. No, you can't have one, sweetie. They're all in our basement. Um, <laughs> so um, thank you. Uh, Dimity just finished up her reading at the Tattered Cover in Denver. So I feel it's kind of this karmic thing that we're both having readings. Um, and I really wish Dimity could be here, though, because this really is her baby. It was Dimity's dream always to have three books to have a trio of them. Um, sh- Thank you. Like the Hunger Games. Just like the Hunger Games. We hope. Um, yeah. Um, so uh, so uh, this was, um, you know, Another Mother Runner is our community that sprung out of the books. We never set out to start a business. We set out to write uh, Run Like a Mother, and it just kind of um, bubbled up into an amazing community of um, women runners who are so supportive, so engaged, just so wonderful on social media. And so Tales from Another Mother, mother Runner, we want to be more encompassing. So instead of just Dimity and me talking, talking, talking in our books, um, this one has one essay by me, one essay by Dimity, and then there are 20 other essays by other uh, mother runners who are writers, and they're everything from uh, Jenny down in... Um, South Carolina, who was uh, running to deal with infertility. There is Jenny, who was, um, or Jennifer, who was running to get through a divorce. Um, Heather, who was um, dealing with some marital problems. There's Allison, who was dealing with um, her, the death of her mother and the birth of her first child. And um, just a myriad of experiences that um, I think you all can find something to relate to, um, something to cry over, something to laugh over. It was um, a lot of fun to work on, and um, it's just amazing to see it here in person. So like our other two books, though, we sprinkle in, um, we send out an exhaustive survey to women runners around the country uh, who are part of our community and ask them questions like, you know, what's your biggest complaint about running? Or how do you find joy in running? Or how has your running evolved over time? And those end up being what we call take it from a mother 
and um, just trying to get the voices of as many women as possible into our book. So I thought I would start off the reading by reading one of those, and it's Take It From a Mother, What Did Your First Continuous Mile Feel Like? Burning, Gasping, Elation. And that is uh, Lisa, who set her half-marathon PR less than a week after learning she was pregnant with her third baby. I puked on some lady's shoes. Whoever you are, sorry. <laughs> um, uh, like my legs were heavy logs and I was just plodding along like an idiot. And that's Anne, who started running when she was 16. The high school cross-country coach needed more warm bodies, and I was lounging in the hallway after school. Um, which is a, you know, always look like you have something to do and maybe you won't get recruited. Um, I was a rock star. In gym during freshman year of high school, I finished right along with the athletic kids. And that is Jessica, who won her age group at a 5K in 27.15. She said that usually that time wouldn't be fast enough, but there were only seven of, in my age group in a race of mostly high school kids. It was an amazing feeling. <laughs> the most torturous mile of my life. I felt like my lungs were collapsing, like my legs were revolting, and I'm certain my brain gave up on me. But I did it, and I haven't looked back. Mostly. And that's Adrian, who I suspect might be Adrian Martini, who writes for our uh, blog on Fridays. Um, on the night before a race, called the hotel front desk at 10.45 p.m. to have them shut down a party on her floor. I felt like the oldest, meanest lady ever, but hey, I needed my sleep. Um, and uh, what did your continuous, first continuous mile feel like? Uh, Catherine says, hopeful. I'd just been dumped, and I knew I could either eat chocolate or get fit. I picked the latter. As I learned to redefine myself, I was happy. I was doing something constructive for the new me and secretly relieved the boyfriend was gone. And uh, again, that's Catherine, who eventually ended up with a delicious new boyfriend who trained with her for the London Marathon. <laughs> he is now her husband. Um, like I conquered the world. And that's Deb, whose motto is run sure. My family is Scottish, and our clan motto is stand sure, meaning stand with strength and confidence, so I run sure. Uh, Karen says, a miracle, who loves the challenge of a 10K. Not too short, not too long. Um, I couldn't believe how much it hurt. And that's Sarah, who, uh, her, her perspective on balance. Sometimes work wins, sometimes home wins. I'm, I've never felt like I'm winning at both at the same time. And yes, I love to win. Uh, must be a Sarah thing. Um, um, uh, like a total badass, and sorry to the children in the audience. Um, I had never run a mile, even in high school. When I finished, I jumped up and down and screamed and cheered. I looked like a total lunatic, I'm sure. Then I came in the house and high-fived my husband and two daughters. And that's Jamie, who records evening TV shows uh, she wants to see, goes to bed early so she can run at 5 a.m., then watches shows the next evening at 7 p.m. Running needs to fit into family life. Family life does not revolve around the run nor does it revolve around TV. Um, so, um, so uh, like I said, it's, so it's sprinkled throughout. Um, so really, we feel that Tales from Another Mother Runner really has much more of the community feel that our, um, that our website, that our podcast has, um, that um, you know, our, when we go to, we have Mother Runner parties. We just had one over at Fatheads. It was a ton of fun. I appreciate everyone showing up for that. Uh, uh, and, uh, and then we go out on the road and, and have mother runner parties around the country. And, and um, I like to say we crisscross the United States. Uh, Dimity and I have been everywhere from Kansas City to Albany, New York, 
to Orlando, to Carlsbad, California. I just got back from Little Rock on Saturday. Next week we're going to Massachusetts, New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And it's just amazing that no matter where we go, there's this commonality amongst us all. We all love running. And no matter, you know, whether the state's blue or red, you know, or whether they have, you know, 10 children or they are child-free, we can always find something to talk about and find a common ground. And it's just so rewarding. We just always find something to laugh about. And um, I was at the Little Rock Marathon on um, Friday, and I haven't been to an expo in probably about three months, and uh, just started talking to this woman, Shannon, and uh, she started telling me about how she'd started running when her husband was deployed in Afghanistan and how, you know, she just really kind of felt like lost. She was, you know, a, a single parent at the time. And just hearing her tell my, her story, I was just like, oh yeah, this is why I love my job. This, this just, it just all pays it back. You know, it's worth the flights. It's worth the time away from the family. It's just connecting with those women and just feeling like we all share a love of running and that we can all understand what it means to have to get out of the house because our family's driving us crazy or because we just feel like we're lost and that we don't have an identity anymore. And that, you know, it's when you can, you know, say, I pin on a bib just like you do. I'm a runner. Hey, you know, tell me your story. And it's just, it's uh, really rewarding. I feel very fortunate to be able to, to do it. Um, so I thought I would read my um, essay in the book, which um, I read in Little Rock on Saturday. And I realized it, um, even for me, was a little TMI. So I decided I, I, decided I would skip a couple sections. Um, but I, I feel the story holds up as a whole. Um, and the, uh, my story is called Coming of Age, and it's about how I felt that, um, you know, that age was this forward march, and that there was just like, I was never going, I, I've never been fast, but for, for me, I was never going to regain the speed that I had, and it was just an onslaught, that there was no turning it back. And um, as you'll hear, I, I realize that's not the case. Um, and, uh, so, and also just I felt like um, sometimes I come across as a, um, a little bit too sure of myself for running and um, that, that it's never tough for me. So I wanted to kind of reveal the soft underbelly of, of the doubt and um, uh, concerns that I have banging around in my head. So, um, so here it is, coming of age. Because it's mid-July here in Portland, sunlight sneaks through our bedroom blinds even though it's only 5.30 in the morning. I slowly open my often creaky closet door in hopes of not waking my husband, Jack, or our light sleeping early rising son, John, whose bedroom is closest to ours. It's week five of training for the Victoria BC Marathon and my coach has prescribed a 50 minute run with some fartlek speed work sprinkled into the otherwise comfortable running pace. Five bursts of 30 second intensity, then four repeats of two minutes of tempo effort. In an already challenging training plan that stretches out another three months, it's a four on a one to 10 scale of tough. I slip on a patterned running skirt just as Miller, our tabby cat, starts nudging my lower legs in hopes of getting fed. In one motion, I turn around and bend down to pet him. When I stand back up, I'm greeted by my reflection in the full length mirror on the back of the open closet door. Slats of sunlight illuminate my save for the skirt naked body. When, I wonder, did my barely B-cut breasts acquire the ability to hold a pencil under them? <laughs> it, even after breastfeeding all three of my children, my boobs had still held their own in the upright category. Now I notice they are melting down my ribs. I, I rotate for a profile view. John doesn't like that line. Um, uh, I, I rotate for a profile view. My stomach strains the skirt's waistband. 
My belly was always my least favorite part of my 5'11 body, but my loathing of it has only intensified since becoming a mother. After the birth of my oldest daughter, now 13, I'd committed myself to twice weekly Pilates classes. The boat poses, hundreds, and other challenging core-centric exercises had finally given my abs a wee bit of definition. For the first time since my early teens, I had not had to furiously suck in my gut at the pool. Then I got pregnant with twins, and the duo did a number on those muscles, stretching them before they were sliced open by the OBGYN scalpel. scalpel. Despite now taking a bar-inspired class every Tuesday and Thursday, which serves up a fair share of strenuous ab work, I've lost hope of ever getting rid of my gut. Being launched into early menopause only made matters worse. As I stand gaping at my paunch, the term menopause springs to mind. I slip a sports bra over my head to scoop up my heading south chesticles. And, and this is good, this is getting better laughs than in Little Rock. Um, and numbers flitter through my mind. I've always had a good memory and a head for dates, which translates into being able to easily recall my race times. Plus, I work hard for my results, so I like having them handy in my back pocket to bolster my sports ego when it flags, or yes, to hashtag humble brag occasionally. At age 43, I set all my big personal bests, a 146 half marathon, 352 for the marathon, and equally speedy for me times in the 5K and 10K. Times that were, save for the half marathon, the fastest, fastest of my life, not just that decade. I sigh, which only makes my bulging belly swell even more. I contemplate my current marathon goal, less than four hours, as I struggle to hook the bra's clasp. It was the number I strove for throughout my 30s when I first started running 26.2 mile races. My finish times in my previous 10 marathons have mostly danced around the four hour mark. A 4.03 in my debut marathon as a divorced with no kids 32 year old. A 4.01 at age 36, 14 months after the birth of our older daughter. The same time in the super hilly Big Sur marathon after training with a coach at age 44. A Boston qualifying 3.59.54 later that same year. After being sidelined with plantar fasciitis for roughly four months, the next year, however, my times dramatically slowed down. 4.43 in the record hot Boston Marathon and 4.08 in the Twin Cities 26.2. Going half the distance didn't help matters much. In the blink of an eye, it seemed, my half marathon finish times all clustered around 1.58 or 1.59. No matter how hard I pushed, the, pushed over the course of 13.1 miles, I barely squeaked in at less than two hours. Even as I'm learning to cope with my menopause and all the other issues the change brings, I have, acknowledged, I have to acknowledge the main reason I'm slowing down, age. I could lose weight and regain some speed. For every pound lost, studies suggest a runner can go two seconds faster per mile. Over the course of a marathon, losing five pounds would translate to finishing four minutes, 22 seconds faster. Dropping 10 pounds would shave almost nine minutes off the clock. And I could redouble my effort at strengthening my core. Recently, when I bemoaned my belly, Dimity suggested I hammer out a plank a day and probably gain some seconds there. But I love desserts too much to drop any pounds. And planking as I focus on my kids' candy wrappers under our basement couch just isn't going to happen. The hard truth is, like all us mother runners, I'm getting older. Sigh. In my 30s and even early 40s, any start of the run sluggishness disappeared by the time my GPS beeped out the first mile. 
In my mid-40s, I needed to get two miles under my legs before they felt decent. Now that I'm 48, I feel slow and lumbering until mile three. A 10.30 or 10.15 pace in those first few miles feels as strenuous as an 8.45 did in my 20s or a 9.15 in my 30s. It's demoralizing and daunting. These days, once my engine gets moderately warm, it takes more effort to make it rev. My hips seem less willing to let my legs drive forward and back with sufficient intensity. My knees sometimes suddenly seem to zig when the rest of my body zags. And now they creak, creak, creak whenever I squat to sit on the toilet. <laughs> if I stop too suddenly at an intersection, my glutes suddenly seize up. That just happened this morning. Um, even my sh stinking hammer toe, my curled under pork rind of a little toe, shrieks louder and more frequently during runs than it did even just a year ago. For most of 2013, a year scattered with half marathons but no 26.2s, I started to accept the fact I was almost a card-carrying AARP member. <laughs> Running Run Disney races made the I am getting woefully slower reality a bit easier to accept because those full of photo ops races aren't, aren't, aren't about the time on the clock. I told myself my 215 at the 2013 Tinkerbell was because of posing with Mrs. Incredible and Aladdin. <laughs> but when I was being honest with myself, I admitted it was because I didn't have the juice to go faster. Reluctant to stare down a starting line, knowing my finish line would, make me, would only make me feel geriatric, not jaunty, I didn't race much in the spring and summer of 2013. Meanwhile, in real life, I kidded myself that that thatch of white hairs in my part blended in with my blonde highlights. As the months flew by, the furrow between my eyebrows became almost deep enough to plant a row of carrots. <laughs> As fall approached, a quick backwards count on the calendar told my running partner, Molly, right there, woo, 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 <laughs> told my running partner Molly and me it was time to start training for our mid-January half marathons. I was headed back to Disneyland for Tinkerbell, and Molly was running a small tabletop flat local race that promised fast times with diligent training. Despite my belief I no longer possess what it takes to fly, I jumped on a moderately aggressive training plan to support Molly. For the first time in more than a year, I put my nose to the workout grindstone. Tempo runs, intervals, and hill repeats. I only remember where the big hills are in our neighborhood because I'd been avoiding them for 18 months. <laughs> my lungs heave, my quads ache, and my head feels a bit fuzzy after the burst of exertion. But I am also exhilarated when Molly and I run 400 meter repeats at the recently refurbished high school track in uh, 158s, then 155s, then 152s. We hit the track every Monday morning and do tempo runs every Wednesday. The more intense workouts restrict the flow of conversation, making me realize our runs over the past year had become in-motion gab sessions, not speed honers. <laughs> One December morning, as heavy clouds obliterated the early morning light, Molly and I are running the second of two two-mile tempo segments on a neighborhood street where the only inclines are speed bumps. We'd agreed we'd each run at our own pace, and in the second mile, I am nearly two blocks ahead of Molly. My strides are relaxed and smooth, a gazelle-like sensation I hadn't felt in several years. At the end of the two miles, a smile creeps across my face between shallow, rapid breaths. You have newfound speed, Sarah Molly Pants. You should run a race before Tinkerbell to see what you can really do. For the next few days, Molly's comment bumps around in my brain. While I love running in a crowd of tutus, I needed fewer runners and cooler temps to know what I was capable of on a race course. With an abbreviated four-day taper, I tow the start line of a holiday-themed half marathon, the holiday half, 
replete with a green and red felt Christmas tree pinned on the back of my running vest. Surrounded by runners decked out in fuzzy reindeer antlers and candy cane striped knee socks, I am optimistic. And Krista was there too. Woo! Um, I give myself an unstructured time goal, closer to 150 than 155, to allow my pace to be fluid rather than laser beam precise. This race is about seeing what I have left in my legs, not fretting if varicose veins are developing on them. <laughs> By mile two, I surprise myself with how comfortable and controlled an 835 pace feels. I only occasionally glance at my GPS, choosing to run by perceived exertion. I'm aiming for a six or seven on a one to 10 scale. I pay careful attention to fueling and hydration. New, noon and goo at miles four, eight, and 11, because gone are the days of winging it in a race. The excitement of the crowd and seeing friends along the course, such as Sharon, who is at mile 10, who gave me my water bottle, um, <laughs> carries me through mile 10. I dig a little deeper and I spot runners to pass. My, my limbs feel surprisingly supple and cooperative and I am able to maintain a brisk pace. In the final mile, the thrill of picking off racers, some of them firm of flesh and young of age, makes my step feel a little lighter. Or maybe it's the slight downhill to the finish. Either way, my finish time is 153.12. Closer to 155 than I'd hoped, but an online search later tells me it's the fastest half marathon I've run in more than three years. Menopot or no, my mother runner legs still have a spark. Now in the early morning light with Miller meowing insistently, I insistently, sorry, I pull on my gray and pink badass mother runner hat and I stare at my reflection one final time. I know many challenging workouts, much closer to the 10 end of the exertion scale than the one side, await me during the next few months of marathon prep. A sly smile moves across my face. Sure, I have laugh lines and need reading glasses, but I also know with age comes wisdom. I am wise and old enough to know I have a few more good and speedy years left in this body. And I'm very proud I uh, qualified for Boston in that race. faster than I did, um, I guess, four years before that, so, um, yeah, yeah. Thanks in part to Jack being there, handing me water and uh, taking some pictures. And Since 2011, BarkBox has been committed to making dogs happy. For humans, BarkBox is a delivery of four to six natural treats and super fun toys curated around a surprise theme each month. For dogs, BarkBox is like the joy of a million belly scratches. Bark boxes include all-natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and heavy chewer preferences. Not a phrase I say every day. Dimity's dog Mason, an energetic Weimaraner, is eagerly awaiting his first bark box. Dimity let bark box know the breed, size, and even name of her dog, as well as the all-important chewing preferences. And now, on the 15th of each month, a new box will get shipped to Mason. Each monthly box is themed, like Country Fair or Brooklyn Hipster, with new and unique toys to keep dogs engaged, interested, and happy. If your pooch doesn't like something in the box, BarkBox promises to send something they'll love, for free, because BarkBox is all about dog happiness. Choose a plan. One, six, or 12-month plans are available. Cancel any time. Free shipping in the continental U.S. For a free extra month when you subscribe to a six- or 12-month plan of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com. Dot com slash AMR. That's barkbox.com slash AMR. Woof.
Thanks to StoryWorth for supporting our podcast. StoryWorth is a subscription service started by a fellow who wanted families to be able to share their memories and anecdotes with each other. Here's how it works. Purchase a StoryWorth subscription for someone you love, and each week, StoryWorth sends that loved one an email with a question about his or her life. The person either replies with his or her story via email or records it by phone by calling a StoryWorth number. After a year, the stories are bound in a lovely hardcover keepsake book. My husband Jack and I gifted StoryWorth to his dad, and we're especially looking forward to hearing his tales about going to medical school in Dublin, Ireland, which is where Jack was born and spent the first four years of his life. Then we'll share the book with Jack's siblings. For $20 off, visit StoryWorth.com AMR when you subscribe. That's StoryWorth.com AMR. Too. Oh, no. No, no, no. We left the kids in the U.S. We went to Canada by ourselves. Um, so, um, okay, John. <laughs> so, um, um, anyway, I would love to um, answer questions if you have them. And um, we are recording this for a possible podcast. So I think I will, um, I'll probably repeat your question before I answer it. And Daphne, I'm not taking the first question from you. Um, or from you, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you wonder why they don't get a water bottle, because they weren't here for my first reading, because they were just three. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, anyone, question? Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> oh, come on. People other than my own kids. Uh, yes, Joanne. First of all, this is much better than a walk on the red carpet. Oh. <laughs> um, as you finished this book, um, how did you feel knowing all these women contributed to this and the fact that you and Dimity began this tribe and what it's grown into? Was it an awesome feeling or was it a sense of, oh my God, I really have to do something to make these people happy? Oh, uh, uh, what was that feeling like? Yeah, um, I mean... I think sometimes um, being a writer and um, you know living so much life on social media, it can um, sometimes you can forget that the, there really is the true tribe out there that they're not just faces on Facebook, and that's why I love doing in-person events. You know, it's um, standing there talking to you know a Shannon at the Little Rock Marathon, or you know, um, you know the people at San Antonio Rock and Roll, or the races that I'll be at. Okay, you kids have got to put your hands down now. Okay, <laughs> really, 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 really. Okay. Um, no, 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 it's hard to concentrate and try to have thoughts when you're raising your hand, okay? Um, so, uh, you know, I'm going to be at, you know, Rock and Roll Portland and Hippie Chick and Happy Girls Out in Bend, and it's just, it's so awesome to, um, to get to meet people in person. So, um, so I guess, um, you know, it's, there's, there's such love and support from the Mother Runner community. I mean, it's so, you know, with everybody living their lives on social media, there can be such haters, and we just feel there's none of that in the Mother Runner community. It's just so positive. And whether people are just, you know, starting a 5K, just getting off the couch and starting a 5K, or whether, you know, they just PR'd at a marathon, they're all cross-supporting each other and offering words of encouragement and support and motivation. And um, it's just really wonderful. And, um, you know, uh, Dimity and I like to say we lead from the middle of the pack, and it feels very much like we are right there with everybody doing it. Um, getting up and, you know, putting on our shoes one foot at a time. Um, yes, Melissa. Hi. Um, first, I want to say what's so exciting about this is I feel like I've grown up with you. Oh, I thanks. started out with Run Like a Mother, that woman, 50 pounds heavier, new babies, trying to figure out what the heck to do. I had no idea there were even other people out there who felt like I did or thought like I did. And that was several years ago. And now I'm approaching the pencil situation myself and looking square face into the 
next part of my life. So that being said, you've been out there for a long time and, and, and as the voice of Mother Runners. And I'd like to know what you've seen in terms of change in the attitudes of women and growing community. Just some of your thoughts around, you know, these, these many years that you've, you've been out there and, and had the opportunity to engage with us. What, have you seen a shift? Well, I mean, I think I think there's such a growing acceptance as to all speeds of runners, and I think um, women are um, a lot more speaking more forcefully and saying that they are a runner, no matter what speed it is they're running, and that just feels so good because you know it, it used to be you know you had to be you know you know a, a twig and be wearing split shorts and you know be doing certain paces and everything like that and it just the running community has gotten so much more accepting and i think it's because women are taking over races and so it's like hey you know hey guys with gray hair get out of the way because here we come you know and and i just think about when i was at the, um the portland marathon um at a um in 2010 at a speaking they, they had like a panel you know with these guys and i mean i got a lot of flack a lot of flack for saying that there was a real need for women's races. And these older dudes, you know, who'd been around since the Boston Marathon was a men's only race, were like, what are you talking about? And they got like all up in my business. And I just was like, you know what? There's just, they, there's an intimidation factor that they weren't aware of. And that, you know, women's races break that down. And there's just such an acceptance when it is just women in a situation like that. And now I feel that women are taking the confidence that they, that they learn in a women's running group or at a women's race or in a place like, you know, the Another Mother Runner community, and they're taking it, and then they can go to co-ed races and feel proud about what their finish time is and not feel like they have to make any apologies for what they look like or when they're, you know, what the time on the clock says when they get to the finish line. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, we're not going to rest till you know, there's a mother runner everywhere we look, and I think that is coming to fruition. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, Daphne, what's your question? Oh, no, I'm not, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, well, so when I find, so Molly and I are very competitive about finding money. So, <laughs> so that she likes to say when I find money, she says, Sarah, nobody likes you. <laughs> yeah. So, and it makes me laugh uproariously like pretty much everything Molly says. And uh, I wouldn't trade Molly as a running partner for anything. So, um, and I know she's joking. So, um, yes. Last I'm week, not gonna call you John. I wore a new pair of running pants, and my friends thought they were really cute until they saw my granny oh. panty lines. Oh yeah. Uh -huh. So I was wondering what kind of underwear you wear. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, so so we addressed that in Train Like a Mother, and Dim and I are both believers in going commando. I just can't fathom wearing um, underwear when I exercise. Um, and. Uh, like, oh, it was funny because when I was at Little Rock, um, you know, we dress in Saucony apparel when we're, um, they're our um, premier sponsor. And, and uh, so I wear uh, Saucony capris at an expo because I'm not going to be sweating and I'll be there for like eight hours or whatever. And I'm like, finally learned, okay, if I'm going to stand there for eight hours in capris, I'll wear, you know, thong underwear. But other than that, no way. Um, although I did just get a pair of orange and pink ones. They're super cute and they're like kind of a chevroni pattern. And I'm a little worried that they might be see-through. Um, so I, I think I'm going to debut them at bar class, uh, maybe, because there's not a whole lot of sweat involved in that, and then we'll take it from there. Uh, they might be relegated to just expo pants um, with some, you know, um, flesh-colored thongs underneath. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, so go, go, uh, Commando. You'll never look back. Daphne, I'm not going to call on you. I'm not going to call on either one of you, okay? Oh, yeah, go. Patagonia makes a really great wickable panty. In both, yeah, it wicks. Okay. And then I have a question for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your favorite marathon that you've done? Uh... Um, well, like I say, I really loved Victoria. It was um, just a, a really great um, course. It's, I'd never been to Victoria, B.C. before. Such a beautiful city, um, a really nice size. I do not like big races, um, but it was, you know, there were always people around, but not a lot of dodging. And gosh, I mean, the start line uh, from where Molly's family was staying, and I had gone over, and her 18-year-old daughter was running the race, and we walked over there. I mean, we left the hotel room at, like, 11 minutes before the race started and just walked up to the starting line as easily as you know you can walk up to that checkout counter. And um, so just super scenic. There was a little bit of incline. Um, so there was enough. I don't like a pancake flat course. Um, uh, uh, Eugene was my PR and uh, it just got way too flat. I mean, it was, it felt a little yeah. bit like pounding concrete after a while. And um, I do love Big Sur is by far the most beautiful marathon but gosh it is a tough tough course you know two two mile mar two mile hill from nine to eleven and then the second half and i mean it is a solid two mile hill and then um it uh has a ton of rolling hill in the second half and kind of a canted road but gosh it's yeah no but it's so so beautiful and um but also the weather can be kind of iffy there so um if you get a headwind and i can't stand wind when i run just forget about it um yeah yeah Yes, Melissa. Yes, Sarah. Um, I know you guys are very well connected in the running community oh, and um, writing community as well. But how did you choose um, to, to, to do the essays for your book? So, um, I mean, that yeah, that was largely Dimity doing that. Um, you know, I mean, the lion's share of the work. Dimity did the lion's share of the work for this. I'm, there's there's no debating that. Um, we know a lot of people through, um, you know, uh, through blogs and through having written for magazines. And um, so, I mean, just kind of we want people with interesting stories to tell who we wanted them to have their own voice in each essay. We don't want each essay to sound cookie cutter, but yet we want it to be able to have a certain, um, you know, AMR tone to it to, to some extent. So, um, you know, I mean, there's a couple of surprises. There's um, this woman, Susan Shorn, who wrote one of the essays that's my favorite in here. It's um, The Middle Finger. And she is, um, it's an intriguing essay. She's a, um, we've had her on the podcast. Uh, she talked about um, self-defense while running and she's a martial artist in Austin. She's actually gonna be, uh, I'm doing an event um, in Austin at the end of the month and she's gonna be there. And it's um, just kind of talking about how she finds power when she runs and about kind of directing that power outward. And um, uh, yeah, but, but I mean, that was kind of unexpected. She writes for, um, Really interesting website, and so I'm not sure how she and Dim connected. Um, maybe we have Kristen Armstrong, who writes the Mile Markers column for Runner's World, um, and has written a number of books herself. She'll also be at that Austin event I'm doing. Um, you know, there's um, Tish Hamilton, who's the executive editor at Runner's World, the highest-ranking woman there. Um, she's we've known her for a ton of time, and a super talented writer um, with a great story to tell. Um, so yeah, I mean, just kind of, kind of being connected in the world, and um, I don't know if Dimity told anybody no, um, <laughs> um, but uh, it ended. Up, you know, I mean, there was a time when we thought, oh, we'll get you know, like um, I don't know, like Kathy Lee and Hoda to write a story, or you know, Natalie Morales, you know. So she's 
because we're like, oh, that'll get us great PR, you know, to have Natalie Morales from the Today Show. Well, you know, that's like scaling, you know, the, you know, the, the Great Wall of China or something. I mean, that wasn't going to happen. So, um, uh, yeah, but, you know, I mean, then we spark, you know, put in there. Um, we have a really fun section in the book. Um, speaking of, um, you know, well-known runners, we have um, the Celebrity Dream Run. And it's, uh, this was Dimity's concept, and it was um, imagining as if we were running with, you know, Kara Goucher and uh, Catherine Switzer and Dina Castor and a bunch of women like that. And so we um, did interviews with all those women and then sprinkled their actual comments and kind of spliced them all together as if it's a conversation we're all, we're all having while we're running. <laughs> and, and it turned out really, you know, when Dimity explained to me, I'm like, thinking, yeah, yeah, I don't know how that's going to turn out. It, it's just so much fun. And... Um, um, yeah, I mean, there's just, you know, there's just so many voices in here. It's, it's uh, really awesome. It really encompasses the community. Yes? So speaking of those voices, are you thinking of doing an audio book about this one like you did? Oh, uh, well, well, uh, well, I am not sure that anyone knows that we did an audio version of uh, One Like a Mother. Uh, uh, only the true hardcore people in my book group would know that. Uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, no, we have not thought that, you know, we, cause uh, you know, so we have our podcast, we have our weekly podcast and, and it's free and we have a ton of fun doing it. And so I, one time when I was brushing my teeth, I'm like, Oh, we should record an audio version of run like a mother. That'll be so awesome. People will like eat it up. Oh no. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. And it was fun. I mean, gosh, it was, that was a crazy experience. We, um, Dimity flew out here and, uh, so she was going to be only here for a weekend and we had, and the book was pretty much the same length as this. But it was all us. And so we, um, at the time, we had this um, producer named Jonah, who's this um, darling guy in his 20s. And so he's, he's a musician, so he's friends with a guy who has a um, recording studio. So we went over there, and I kept saying, Jonah, are you sure we're going to be able to get it done in a weekend? He's like, oh, no problem, no problem. Well, within like an hour of being there, I'm like, we are not going to be able to finish this. And so it became evident that we just had to like, hammer through Dimity's seg sections because she lives in Denver and she had to catch a flight on Sunday evening and oh my gosh and it was also just so funny because we were in I don't know if anybody's ever been in a soundproof room but it's kind of funky you know um, you don't hear any other sounds and everything's kind of muffled and I have a little bit of claustrophobia so we're in this we're in this soundproof room and it starts to feel like a bomb shelter and there's the you know Jonah the producer and then the sound guy and I'm like oh my gosh this feels like you know like some end of the world scenario and we're supposed to like propagate the species and you know I've gone through menopause so I'm no good and you know uh, and so, so I just like when I get nervous I start to laugh and so I just start laughing and laughing and laughing and they're like why are you laughing I'm like I'm talking about it and, uh, and I broke into a sweat, and it was awful. So, uh, so yeah, I don't know why no one bought the audiobook, but gosh, it's a lot of fun. Um, better marketing? I don't know. You know, um, it's on audible.com. Um, you know, and I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, they, I, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like we um, are promoting so many different things, it's hard to keep track of everything we have available. So, how about that for an answer? Um, yes, Melissa, again. Yes. What race have you not done yet that you still want to do? Um, I would really love to do Marine Corps Marathon. Um, I, uh, you know, I think DC is a beautiful city. I mean, I love all the monuments and everything like that. And although I have no, um, back, my family has no background in the military, I just am incredibly moved by, by people who are, uh, give service the, to our country. And so I just think I'd probably turn into a, you know, just a blubbering ball of, of tears toward the finish line, seeing the Marines lining 
the race course. But, um, but I did, uh, I think probably even on the podcast, I think I made the announcement that I wasn't going to run marathons outside of our time zone anymore because it's just a drag to do that. And then I think probably months after I said that, then I had to go out to Philadelphia to run um, Philly for work. So I've already blown that, but yeah. And Paris, I think about doing that, but um, that costs a little bit of money. Um, yes? Favorite route around here? Favorite route around Portland? Um, and mileage. And yeah, um, and what is the mileage of it? Um, yeah, I mean, um, uh, gosh, Molly, but we love going. Um, yeah, we we like the river. Yeah, I mean, going you know the, the fort from our house um, in northeast Portland to go um, down toward the to the steel bridge and then over to the west side and down to the Selwood Bridge and back on um, Springwater and back. What's that? Oh, the Vancouver. Yeah, the, what's the name of that route? Burn Creek. So, so yes. Um, yeah, they, uh, yeah. Okay, so in Vancouver, sometimes we drive up there. Um, the last time we did that, it was so cold, though. That's all I remember is my hands just getting so cold. Um, and then, I mean, our, our pretty much our go-to is um, we love to go um, uh, up. We go north, and then we head west toward the river, and then we go out on Willamette, because then you can just go as far as you want. And if we're going really, really far, you can go across on the Cross Peninsula path. Um, so, um, but I think really our favorite route is wherever we find money, um, <laughs> because we are always in search, in search of change on a run. So, um, I, we find when Molly was recently traveling, so I specifically set out, I chose my route by where I thought I'd find money because you just, you rarely find money in Irvington. It's like, I, I was just telling some people at the party, I'm convinced that the more wealthy the neighborhood, the less money you find on the ground. And I don't know whether that's because, you know, they got wealthy because they never, you know, lost a penny or whether they spend credit cards all the time so they don't have change. Um, but I mean, you know, last Easter, Molly was running with her older daughter and she found 520s wadded together on North Commercial um, up near Williams. And because um, if I'd been with her, I would have found it. Um, and uh, we did. We found that one five, the five that keeps going missing at my house. Um, we, I, we found that in Irvington. We found that on 18th. And um, yeah. And but we can even do a route. We want to do a route in Portland. We want to do those free libraries, those little stands where you can get the books. We want to do a route that hits a lot of free libraries. We want to do a route that hits one that has uh, a lot of street murals on the street itself, not on walls, but I, is that only in Northeast Portland? No, there's a bunch in Southeast too. Yeah, are there any on the West side? Can anybody think of a one on the West? Okay, yeah, 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 so, so you know where they're painted, like there's one near, Buck, the younger kids go to Buckman, there's one with a hummingbird and some flowers, and um, there's one in Irvington that has a huge salmon. Yeah, yeah, there's one right before Da Vinci, yep. Uh, so we like those. And then the other one we just decided the other day is, um, anybody ever see money that's paved into the road? Which is just so frustrating. Oh my gosh, it drives us crazy. <laughs> and so so we, we saw one penny right before we crossed Fremont on 17th. And Molly like grabs me, she goes, don't go for it! And, um, and uh, so I'm like, oh yeah, there's that one on like 35th, and then there's that other one out when you go toward Rose City Golf Course. Don't fall for those ones, you know? Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> any other questions? You found three cents today? Oh, my, during work? No, my run. Oh, you went run. That's because you were with someone else. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, any other questions? 
Yes. One last question. Yes. Isn't it somebody's birthday in a couple of days? Uh, it sure is. Someone. So can we sing a happy birthday to Sarah? Happy oh birthday, oh my birthday to you. Come on. See, I was destined to be a mother runner because my birthday's March 4th. It's the only uh, date that's a command. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Oh, well, oh, thank you. You too. Um, yeah, Brooke? So, the mother runner retreat. Oh, yes. Thank you for reminding me. Yes. Oh, thank you, Brooke. My gosh, it's so funny. When I went to the restroom at the party, I thought, oh, I have to mention the retreat. Um, so, yeah, so Brooke brings up a point that we were talking about back at the party. So we, um, I just got back from Little Rock because, in part, we are having a fabulous Mother Runner retreat there, April 16 to 19. Um, and then we are going to have a fall retreat, and it is 90% um, certain that it's going to be in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, honestly, uh, so we, we did this survey to find out like where mother runners are, where people in our tribe are. And it was pretty evenly spread around the country, but the PAC Northwest did come in with, I think, one percentage point higher. But um, just amazing, amazing community of women runners here that I think is really unparalleled anywhere in the country. There's a sense of supportiveness and togetherness that, that is missing in some other parts of the country. And um, so uh, why not do it in our own sort of semi-backyard? Um, so... Um, no, absolutely nothing set in stone, but we're thinking Spokane in uh, September. So, and uh, and if you haven't been to Spokane, give it a second thought because um, I went there in the mid '90s and was underwhelmed. And um, it is, oh my gosh, I had the best pizza and went to a really cute store there. And um, great, there's trail running, so there'd be more emphasis on trail running. And there's a phenomenal hotel there. That uh, yes. The Tri Cities. Oh yeah. Oh. I would recommend that. Oh, all right. So the, it's it's when we, sort of when we find a, a property that we fall in love with, and when we went to Little Rock, I mean, Capitol Hotel is an amazing hotel, and I had the same feeling when I went to the Davenport um, last September for uh, the Happy Girls race. And so, um, and it also has a lot more space, so we think we'd be able to get more mother runners there, and everybody would be able to drive there if they feel like going on a five-hour road trip, and we'd get some Canadians down for it. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so I'm going to Bloomsday to scout it out. So, um, yeah. All right. Well, I really appreciate uh, you all coming out and um, supporting the Another Mother Runner community.